Hello, and welcome to Checked Out. We're broadcasting from Euclid Public Library in beautiful Euclid, Ohio. I'm Casey Armstrong, Director of the Library. And I'm Mike Stein, Assistant Manager of Adult Services. We talk about our favorite books, movies, services, and events with our favorite people and our favorite community. Today, we're talking exciting books you can expect in the new year. Our special guests are EPL Adult Librarian, Brianna Maley, and EPL Senior Youth Services Librarian, Amy Bray. And Brianna, on the way in today, I noticed some of the new authors that we have in our section are Stephen King, Colson Whitehead's Harlem Shuffles out there, and people might not know the new Dune movie. There's tons of Dune books, and the new Dune book is out there as well. So what types of books should people be looking forward to in the upcoming year? We actually have quite a selection for the new year. I focused on books coming out in January and February, and I have a lot of uh, romance, some literary fiction, that sort of thing. So my first uh, heads up, my first recommendation for everyone is definitely going to be Yinka, Where Is Your Husband? by Lizzie Damilola Blackburn. So. Yinka's Nigerian aunties frequently pray for her delivery from singledom. Her work friends think she's too traditional. Her girlfriends think she needs to get over her ex already. And the men in her life, well, that's a whole other story. But Yinka herself has always believed that true love will find her when the time is right. Still, when her cousin gets engaged, Yinka commences operation Find a Date for Rachel's wedding. Aided by a spreadsheet and her best friend, Yinka is determined to succeed. Will Yinka find herself a husband? And one of the things she really needs to find is herself. So this is going to be a really light story, heavy on the romance. And I will recommend this for anyone looking to maybe escape the Ohio winter, the dreariness of Ohio in winter. And then for the next recommendation, it's something a little heavier. It falls into literary fiction, and it is No Land to Light On by Yara Jib. Hadi and Sama are a young Syrian couple flying high on a whirlwind love, dreaming of the life in the country that brought them together. When Sama is five months pregnant, Hadi's father dies suddenly in Jordan, the night before his visa appointment at the embassy. Hadi flies back for the funeral, promising his wife that he'll only be gone for a few days. On the day his flight is due to arrive in Boston, Sama is waiting for him at the airport, eager to bring him back home, yet unaware that Hadi has been stopped at the border and is being detained for questioning, trapped in a timeless, nightmarish limbo. Worlds apart, suspended between hope and disillusion, as hours become days become weeks, Sama and Hadi yearn for a way back to each other into the life they dreamed up together. But does that life exist anymore or was it only an illusion? So this is a bit more serious and it will be a really great book for you know those long winter nights whenever you just want to you know spend hours reading as the snow falls outside. I'm glad you I'm glad you mentioned Brianna the romance I think is uh a little known fact that a lot of folks really do enjoy reading romance and it's one of our more popular genres for folks to read. So um, I appreciate both of the two recommendations. Can you repeat the authors again? Yeah, of course. So the romance Yinka, Where Is Your Husband? is by Lizzie Damilola Blackburn. And then the uh, book about the Syrian couple is No Land to Light On by Yara Jeeb. 
All right, those both sound great. So Amy, what are a couple of the hot new books coming out in the teen area? Um, well, so I was gonna start off with some movie tie-in books because everybody loves a movie tie-in. So um, one of the big ones that I'm looking forward to this year is um, Okoy to the People. Um, this is by E.B. Zoboy. And if you don't know who Okoy is, um, it is, or she is, the leader of the Dora from Black Panther. So the Wakandian female warriors, their leader. This is one of her backstories. So Marvel has been doing a thing in recent years where they go back and they tell the backstories of some of their major characters. Um, started with Loki. So now we have Okoy. Um, this goes back to before she became the leader of the Doya, Dora, when she just joined them and she was trying to find her place. And she actually wound up coming to the United States. Um, and um, while she was supposed to be on duty, she found herself in different neighborhoods that needed a lot of help and um, found her desire to help um, American inner city urban um, children to try to make the world a better place. Um, if you've watched the movies, you know that she's doing some of those missions when the first movie starts. Um, the second one, one of my personal favorite movies um, is uh, The Nightmare Before Christmas. And there's a new novel called Long Live the Pumpkin Queen. So it's all about Sally. Um, if you don't remember the movie, Sally is the stitched together girl that falls in love with Jack the Pumpkin King. And they do get married. And she becomes queen, but she kind of chafes under the responsibility of being queen. She doesn't really like um, having to do all the things that she's supposed to have to do. And she kind of feels like she treated a life of servitude under Dr. Um, Hinkelstein um, for a life where she's still in this gilded cage. Um, so she goes into the forest and finds a last door that nobody noticed. And it's the door to dreamland. But as we all know, dreams aren't always ideal. Sometimes they're nightmares. Well, my sister's going to have to get a hold of that book. She says, if you haven't watched The Nightmare Before Christmas, you are dead to her. So, <laughs> Annie, I like if you're your listening, sister, Mike. Annie, if you're listening, I'm going to have to admit I've never seen it. So I guess I'm dead to you for the moment. Uh-oh. <laughs> so, I mean, can, can you tell us movie. about what age group these books are good for? You say young adult. What age group does that cover? So young adult covers approximately sixth grade through 12th grade. So it's that like 12, 13 year old bubble up through um, the end of high school. Although there are a ton of adults who love reading young adult books. Um, and I actually do have one more movie tie in if I can get that one in before Perfect. we switch over just because you know we can group them all together. This last one is Bravely by Maggie Stiefvater. And um, it is based off of the Disney movie Brave. Um, and this is where we meet Princess Merida. Um, she is the Irish princess with the long red hair um, and who loves to fight. And she is tasked with having one year to find a way to save 
all of the people and all the things that she loves about her land from demolition by um, the god Faradah. Um, he is a god that is tasked with rooting out rot and ruin in the land. And um, Marita and her people have come to a point where they are in a stagnant um, position and she wants adventure. Well, she's going to get adventure because she has one year to try to figure out how to save her land. All right. I'm sure we have many movie lovers in our teen audience. So I bet those will be out the door as soon as they come in the library. So Brianna, what else you got for us? Okay, so I guess I will go off Amy's last recommendation a bit. And the first book I'm going to talk about is a thriller. It is one of the biggest novels of 2022 and it is Anthem by Noah Hawley. So something is happening to teenagers across America, spreading through memes only they can parse. At the Flow Anxiety Abatement Center in a suburb of Chicago, Simon Oliver is trying to recover from his sister's tragic passing. He breaks out to join a woman named Louise and a man called the Prophet on a quest as urgent as it is enigmatic. Who lies at the end of the road? A man known as the Wizard, whose past encounter with Louise sparked her own collapse. Their quest becomes a rescue mission when they join up with a man whose sister is being held captive by the wizard. So like I said before, this is one of the hottest uh, books for 2022. It is on every anticipated release list you can find for the year. And it is an epic literary thriller set where America is right now in which a band of unlikely heroes sets out on a quest to, to save one innocent life, and it might end up saving us all. So that's um, my first recommendation. And then the next one, I'm going to move from thriller to mystery. So next up, we have The Maid by Nita Prose, and it opens with Molly Gray. And Molly Gray is not like everyone else. She struggles with social skills and misreads the intentions of others. Her grand used to interpret the world for her, codifying it into simple rules that Molly could live by. But Gran died a few months ago, and now 25-year-old Molly has been navigating life's complexities all on her own. But no matter, she throws herself with gusto into her work as a hotel maid. Her unique character, along with her obsessive love of cleaning, makes her an ideal fit for the job. But Molly's orderly life is upended the day she enters the suite of the infamous and wealthy Charles Black, only to find it in a state of disarray and Mr. Black himself dead in his bed. Before she knows what's happening, Molly's unusual demeanor has the police targeting her as their lead suspect. She quickly finds herself caught in a web of deception when she has no idea how to untangle. Fortunately, friends she never knew she had unite with her in a search for clues to what really happened to Mr. Black. But will they be able to find the real killer before it's too late? Well, those both sound great, and especially the Noah Hawley book, which I have been uh, anticipating. And Noah Hawley also did the show Fargo, the television show, not the movie. But Fargo, I really love that television series as well. And I know he has other books, so I haven't read them, but I'm definitely looking forward to that one. Brianna, can you tell us, um, can people come and check these materials out? Can they get them on Overdrive? Like, how can people get access to these new books? Are they really, really out, or when will they be out? 
Okay, so both of the books that I have mentioned this round, Anthem and The Maid, come out in January, I believe. And the really great thing about Euclid is we have so many ways to check out and read books. So I am definitely ordering several copies of every title I've mentioned. So you can come in and they will be waiting for you in the new book area. Or if you prefer audiobooks, I'm sure our audiobook selector will have those available as well. Or even if you prefer digital books, they will be available on OverDrive. And for all of those avenues to check out materials, you just need a library card. And you can usually get on the waiting list several weeks ahead of time before a book comes out. So those two might already even be in the catalog to go on the waiting list, better get on there before I do, because I want that book by Noah Hawley. Sorry, I was just going to say, you can put everything on hold. And I know that for Euclid Holdings, you will be able to put them on hold um, as early as the first week in January. All right, Amy, what else you got for us? So um, to build off of Brianna's mystery, um, I have um, one that's coming out actually in May um, called Burn Down and Rise Up by Vincent Tirado. Um, And this one, we are in the Bronx. And there's a series of mysterious disappearances, mainly teenage girls. Um, and nobody's quite certain what's going on. Um, it is actually being marketed as Stranger Things meets Jordan Peele. Um, so it does contain an urban legend. Um, and the belief is that this urban legend of the Echo Game is responsible for all of these disappearances. Well, the the group of young ladies at the center of this book um, have to go through um, New York City's history to figure out where the urban legend started and combat the evil behind the legend. The next one I'm going to uh, talk about is actually um, a new take on a classic book. Most of us have probably at least seen the movies about the Three Musketeers, if we haven't read the books. Um, Well, there's a new book out that is a new take on the Three Musketeers. It has a feminist twist to it. So One for All, which, of course, is the cry of the Musketeers, is written by Lily Lanoff and stars a young lady, Tania. Tania's father was a musketeer, and as he dies, he makes a last wish to send her to a finishing school. Soon after she arrives at l'Académie des Marais, she figures out that it's not a normal finishing school. It is a training academy for female musketeers. Okay, All these young ladies are being trained in the social niceties, so there is a finishing school there but they are also being trained how to strap daggers to their ankles so that they can take out any dangers at a social event. And so they can recruit young men to help them in their spy games. And that one comes out in March. So just a little bit of hold on that one. Um, How soon can someone place a hold on that one? Is that one like in April or, I mean, I'm sorry, February? That one comes out in March, so mm-hmm. more than likely you'd be able to start placing holds on it in February. 
seems like there's a new Three Musketeers every few years that's come out uh, in the mid-1800s, and they've had movies and TV shows and new books and all kinds of Three Musketeers things over the years. So nice to hear they have a new modern version of it. So, Brianna, what else we got coming out in the adult novels? So I think I'm going to shift gears a little bit. And my next two recommendations are going to really focus on parents and children, mothers, daughters, that sort of relationship. So the first book I have comes out in February, and it is Black Cake by Charmaine Wilkinson. So two estranged siblings must set aside their differences to deal with their mother's death and her hidden past. In present-day California, Eleanor Bennett's death leaves behind a puzzling inheritance for her two children, Byron and Benny. A traditional Caribbean black cake made from a family recipe with a long history and a voice recording. In her message, Eleanor shares tumult a tumultuous story about a headstrong young swimmer who escapes her island home under suspicion of murder. The heartbreaking journey Eleanor unfolds, the secrets she still holds back, and the mystery of a long-lost child challenge everything the siblings thought they knew about their family and themselves. Can Byron and Benny reclaim their once close relationship, piece together Eleanor's true history, and fulfill her final request to share the black cake when the time is ripe? Will their mother's revelations bring them back together or leave them feeling more lost than ever? So that is the first book. Again, that comes out in February. Um, it's on a lot of anticipated releases for 2022 lists. And it really goes um, well with my next book, which is One Italian Summer by Rebecca Searle. And this book comes out in March. It's my only March recommendation. So One Italian Summer opens when Katie's mother dies and Katie is left reeling. Carol wasn't just Katie's mom, but her best friend and first phone call. She had all the answers, and now when Katie needs her the most, she's gone. To make matters worse, their planned mother-daughter trip of a lifetime looms. One week in Positano, the magical town where Carol spent the summer right before she met Katie's father. Katie has been waiting years for Carol to take her, and now she is faced with embarking on the adventure alone. But as soon as she steps foot on the Amalfi Coast, Katie begins to feel her mother's spirit. And then Carol appears, in the flesh, healthy, suntanned, and 30 years old. Katie doesn't understand what is happening or how. All she can focus on is that she has somehow impossibly gotten her mother back. Over the course of one Italian summer, Katie gets to know Carol, not as her mother, but as the young woman before her. That sounds really interesting. <laughs> I know that um, the two books you just spoke about both have to deal with death, but just sounds really uh, interesting to have a character revisit a parent when that parent is uh, supposedly dead and then now coming back at 30 years of age. So very interesting. <laughs> yeah, I think we Casey to go on the waiting list for. Yes, definitely. I think that both of these books, um, like you said, Casey, they deal with death, but they approach it in such different ways. It'll be really interesting to see how that relationship can still last even after, you know, the death of a parent. 
All right, Amy, what else you got for us? So um, my next two are actually follow-up books. So they are um, companion books or sequels, um, but they are both sequels to books that were very popular um, when the first one came out. The first book um, is called Love Boat Reunion, um, and it will be out in January. It's by Abigail Penguin. Um, Love Boat Taipei was one of our most popular books um, that came out in 2020. And I think it's because it's a lighthearted love story that takes place on a boat. Um, so, you know, you can't get away when you're stuck on a boat together. Um, but the second book um, follows the two main characters from the first as they go off to college or back to high school, and they're just trying to survive. Um, but they wind up having to come back together, um, even though they had broken up at the end of the book, because they need each other's skills in order to pass their classes or gain their parents' approval. So um, this one, I feel is probably going to be quite anticipated by our um, teenagers. Like I said, the first book was one of the books that went out the most for books that came out in 2020. Um, so I have a feeling there's a great audience for it. The second one is Bitter. And I know I'm going to mess this name up. Um, I, I even wrote it down phonetically so that I could try to get it right. But it's Aquake Maisie. And like I said, I'm pretty certain I still messed it up. But um, Bitter is the follow-up to Pet. Pet um, is a book that has won lots of national acclaim. Um, it's been no nominated for many awards. Um, and it's very, very short. So it is one of our most popular books. Um, Bitter is actually a prequel. Um, Bitter is Jam's mother. Jam was the lead character in Pet. And Bitter also was Pet's creator. If we've already read the book Pet, we know that Bitter has a magical talent for painting things that will then come alive. We also know that she took place in, um, or took main part in the revolution um, for the city of Lucille um, and rooting out evil in the city. So this book takes place when Bitter was in high school and college and is set following her actions in the revolution. What does she do and how does she make the revolution come um, together? And how does this then later affect um, Jam in the book Pet? So which one should be read first? So readers read Bitter first or Pet first? <laughs> well, you know, there's always that argument to be said. Do you read them in the order that the author wrote them? Or do you read them in the order that they chronologically happen? Um, until the book comes out in February and I have a chance to read it, I'm not certain that I would be able to tell you 
whether it's easier to know what's going on if you read which one first. Um, but, you know, we have the same question when we were looking at the Lion, Witch, and the Wardrobe series, because they were written all out of order. So, um, you know, it, I personally well, right like now, to read things in the right way that the author wrote them. And right now, people can actually read Pet. Pet is out. So Pet has been out for to, two years. Um, so to get more. ready for Bitter, folks so they can, can go ahead and bitter. read yep. Pet. Yep. I love Bo Reunion. Sounds kind of interesting. I'm sure it's totally unrelated to the television show from the 70s. You know, I think there may have been a bit of inspiration from it, but it was definitely not um, anywhere as campy or any of those characters. I'm so glad you mentioned that, Mike, because as soon as she said the title, Love Boat Reunion, the theme song from the Love Boat started going in my head. <laughs> so those of us who were alive for the television series, The Love Boat, <laughs> we're That's dating fun. ourselves a little bit, but. Exactly. Um, that song will be stuck in your head for a while, I'm sure now. And yeah, I'm showing my age by referencing The Love Boat, but when I watched it back then, I was probably younger than the target audience for that book, so. Anybody of any age can have fun with it. So, Brianna, what else do you have in the adult novels? Okay, Mike, for my next set of anticipated releases, I'm going to get a little more serious and mention two books that fall into the literary fiction genre. So the first book is Olga Dies Dreaming by Sotil Gonzalez. It's 2017, and Olga and her brother are bold-faced names in their hometown of New York. Her brother is a popular congressman representing their gentrifying Latinx neighborhood in Brooklyn, while Olga, Olga is the Tony wedding planner for Manhattan's power brokers. Despite their alluring public lives, behind closed doors, things are far less rosy. Sure, Olga can orchestrate the love stories of the 1%, but she can't seem to find her own until she meets Mateo, who forces her to confront the effects of long-held family secrets. This book is set against the backdrop of New York City in the months surrounding the most devastating hurricane in Puerto Rico's history. And this is a story that examines political corruption, familial strife, and the very notion of the American dream. And kind of pairing with that, I have probably the most anticipated book for January, which is To Paradise by Hanya Yanagihari. In an alternate version, of 1893 America, New York is part of the free state where many people may live and love whomever they please, or so it seems. The fragile young scion of a distinguished family resists the betrothal to a worthy suitor, drawn to a charming music teacher of, known, of no means. And in 1993, Manhattan, besieged by the AIDS epidemic, a young Hawaiian man lives with his much older, wealthier partner, hiding his troubled childhood and the fate of his father. And in 2093, in a world riven by plagues and governed by totalitarian rule, a powerful scientist's damaged granddaughter tries to navigate life without him and solve the mystery of her husband's disappearances. These three sections are joined in an enthralling and ingenious symphony as recurring notes and themes deepen and enrich one another. What unites not just the characters, but these Americas are their reckonings with the qualities that make us human. 
fear, love, shame, need, and loneliness. Don't sound like another two good books. And Brianna, I'm glad you're the one pronouncing these authors' names. I don't think I'd be able to do it. Oh, I definitely want them up. (laughs) (laughs) I think we're definitely going to have to make sure that when we post the podcast, we clearly list the complete titles and spellings for everyone. But it's interesting to me, as you two go back and forth to describe the books, I know Amy is specifically talking about the young adult age group, and Brianna, you're talking about the adult. But it seems like there's kind of this crossover um, with some of the drama, some of the uh, intrigue in both both, uh, sets of books here that you're talking about. Um, I know Mike mentioned that, you know, the young adult books are for all ages. Brianna, is any of this material that you're recommending, is any of the books appropriate for a younger audience? So I will admit I am wary of saying any of these books can be read by teens just because it can be a very subjective decision. I know whenever I was in high school, I probably would have read all of these books. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think it really just depends on, you know, what the teen, what the Um, you know, student is interested in. And as long as we have these recommendations and they know what they're getting into, I see no um, problem with recommending these books. I think that they all deal with really important themes and open discussions that are really valuable at any age. Excellent. I remember my English teacher, uh, her advice was, if you read, uh, if you can get through the first 53 pages of a book, then that's the book for you. <laughs> that's, that's kind of my, no matter what the uh, the age group was supposed to be, I would explore different topics. And I still do the same. I, I think I read books for children, teens, and adults. So um, I encourage everyone to take a look at some of the titles that you both are recommending. So Amy, do you have more titles for us today? I do. Um, So my next one um, I'm looking forward to, um, it is a dark fantasy. Um, It's called Blood Scion. Um, It's by Deborah Filet. I'm certain I messed that name up too. Um, But um, the main character is Sloan and she's a scion or a descendant of the Orisha gods. And in her world, the Lucys um, rule the world and her powers have been outlawed. If anybody were to find out that she was a scion, she would be sentenced to immediate death. She's been hiding all of her powers for 15 years now. She's just been conscripted into the army where most people would find this to be someplace very scary to be because how do you hide your true identity and powers when you are in a small barracks or unit with so many other people? Sloan sees this as an opportunity because she's gonna take the training that they give her in the army and she's going to use that training to get close enough to the leaders to destroy the Lucy's from within. Will she succeed? I don't know. Haven't read the book yet. 
Um, it comes out in March. Um, and this next one is actually one of my personal favorites and one that I am very personally looking forward to. Um, it's by Julie Kagawa. Um, I've been reading her books for at least 10 years now, probably longer. Um, she has five series, but three of them are about the Iron Fae or the Iron Fairy. The newest book is in the third Iron Fae series and it's called The Iron Sword and it will come out in February. Really the, the series circulates around the idea that fairies are allergic to iron. But fairies also only live when people think about them all the time. So even though you have the two main courts of fairy that most people know about, the summer and the winter court, they start dying out because nobody is thinking about them as much because we're not really in nature as much. And in the first series, a scary new power came to be called the Iron Fae, which were fairies made out of iron. And you're like, how can that be? Because fairies are allergic to iron. But with our technology and with the things that we use every day and, um, you know, AI, all of a sudden there are fairies that are based on computer chips because the AI starts dreaming about fairies. So the problem is the rest of the fairy world can't deal with these iron fairies. They can't coexist because the rest of the fairy world will actually melt when the iron fairies touch it. Through the three series, we get to a point where the iron fairies have their own kingdom in the fairyland, and it is um, cordoned off from all the other fairylands. But the heir to the iron throne has completely disappeared. Nobody knows where he is and they have to go find him. The first book in the series starred uh, Puck, which some people might know from William Shakespeare. Um, and the second book in the series um, follows the, um, the father of um, the Iron um, Prince, the Iron King, um, and his search for his son. Um, as they try to find out what is going on and what the new threat is to the fairy land. So a couple of fantasy adventure type books. Those seem to always be the ones that capture my attention from the teen area, maybe because they get made in the movies like Twilight and Percy Jackson and the Hunger Games. Are those kind of, are they the most popular genre in the teen area, would you say? Um, actually, our teen area, um, tends to be more on the horror side or the dark fantasy side compared to just high fantasy. Um, we have a lot of mystery fans in our area as well. Um, but overall, fantasy is one of those genres that gets crossed with a lot of things. So we have a lot of mysteries that incorporate fantasy. We've got a lot of horror that incorporates fantasy. Um, so we can, you know, it, it's a lot of crossover there. 
and like I said, in general, nationwide, um, fantasy is probably one of the biggest genres. We can't forget Harry Potter. He's still pretty popular, even though he doesn't have too much new books. So, Brianna, you have a couple more for us? Yes, Mike. Thank you. So I actually have two last books to recommend, and these are going to be shorter reads, a little more lighthearted, easier to get through. So I have Fiona and Jane by Jean Chen Ho, and this is a short story collection. So in these stories told in alternating voices, two best friends peel back layers of their friendship, the intensity, the resentment, and boundless love to probe the beating hearts of young women coming to terms with themselves and each other in light of the insecurities and shame that holds them back. So while this short story collection takes place in the present day, I think that each chapter will really offer something timeless and valuable to say about friendships, you know, no matter the place, no matter the time, wherever you are, it's going to be a universal uh, collection. And then for my last recommendation, I have a romance. Uh, I am a huge romance reader, so I'm really excited to recommend this last book. And it is I'm So Not Over You by Kosoko Jackson. A chance to rewrite their ending is worth the risk in this swoony romantic comedy. It's been months since aspiring journalist Keon Andrews has heard from his ex-boyfriend Hudson Rivers, but an urgent text has been meeting up at a cafe. Maybe Hudson wants to profusely apologize for the breakup or confess his undying love, but no. Instead, Hudson has a favor to ask. He wants Keon to pretend to be his boyfriend while his parents are in town, and Keon reluctantly agrees. The dinner does not go exactly as planned, and suddenly Keon is Hudson's plus one to Georgia's wedding of the season. Soon enough, their fake relationship is starting to feel like it might be more than a means to an end, and maybe it's time for both men to fact check their feelings. So again, with both of these last two, especially, I kind of want to go back to Casey's last comment about, you know, can teens read this or is it only for adults? And again, I've been reading adult romance since I was in middle school. And so I think it really, again, it just depends on what gets them interested because you can offer a young adult novel, but maybe they're just not into that. And maybe, you know, an adult novel is something that will get them within the first 53 pages and they'll want to finish and that'll make them, you know, go on and search for other books. And so I really think that it really, you know, depends on the person. And I think, and maybe Amy will agree with this, that adult fiction and young adult fiction does have truly so much overlap. I know that I've read a lot of young adult fiction and, um, you know, we regularly get people at the adult reference desk who are asking for teen novels. So it's really just what you're interested in. And I hope that at least one of my recommendations for the new year are enough to, you know, get you onto our website or uh, through our doors. All right. That, all that sounds good. And Amy, do you have a couple more to finish this off with? So I actually only had one more book that I had actually prepared to talk about. 
And then I was looking at it this morning and they just pushed the publication date back again. Uh-oh. Well, when we do this next December, then you can talk about it then. Right. I mean, I was like so excited about this book. I've been waiting for it for three years. I have one more to wait. <laughs> well, why don't you each just run down the titles and authors again so we can have them all in one place. Just give the name of uh, each book and its author and start with Brianna. Okay, so we have No Land to Light On by Yara Jeeb, Fiona and Jane by Jean Chen Ho, Anthem by Noah Hawley, Olga Dies Dreaming by Sochil Gonzalez, Black Cake by Charmaine Wilkinson, One Italian Summer by Rebecca Searle, Yinga Where Is Your Husband by Lizzie Damilola Blackburn, I'm So Not Over You by Kasoko Jackson, The Maid by Nita Prose, and finally, To Paradise by Hanya Yanagihara. And Amy from the teen area. Okay, so we have Bitter by Akwake Maisie, The Iron Sword by Julie Kagawa, Okoy to the People by E.B. Zoboy, Long Live the Pumpkin Queen by Shay Earnshaw. Bravely by Maggie Stiefvater. One for All by Lily Lanoff. Burn Down, Rise Up by Vincent Tirado. Blood Scion by Deborah Fele. And Love Boat Reunion by Abigail Hingman. All right, so those are some great recommendations, ladies. I'm sure people will be able to find at least one book off of each of your lists to grab and read in the new year. And you can always come on in and see what we got on the shelves. Go on our Hoopla or Libby apps, get the ebook versions or audiobook versions of them, and even check out our online catalog so you can get on the waiting list for these books a few weeks ahead of time. Thank you very much, ladies. And now the news. And now once again, it's time for library news you cannot use. Casey, did you know that Brigham Young University students are always looking for places to catch a catnap, especially during finals week? The campus library might not be the best place. One student recently told BYU's student newspaper that she fell asleep in the periodical section of the library. When she woke up, she found her shoes were missing. The thief left a note that said, you snooze, you lose. The student had to go to the, her next class barefoot. Luckily for her, it was a friend who pranked her and gave back the shoes. Let this be a lesson to those who went to sleep at Yuka Public Library, which is a no-no. Mike, speaking of lost shoes, not too long ago, we received an email to the library's help email address asking if a pair of sandals had been turned in. Being that the emailer had left a phone number with a California area code, no sandals had been turned in, and that it was the dead of winter. So who would be wearing them anyway? We wondered if we were subject to a prank or maybe even a possible hacking attempt. Turns out that one of the branches of the Anaheim Public Library, the city where the Angels baseball team plays, is the Euclid branch. The person who lost her sandals had emailed the wrong library. Once we figured this out, we let her know. But we never did learn if she found her sandals. So if you lose your shoes or anything else, 
call and ask for Lost and Found at our checkout desk. And finally, I don't want to say there's not much going on in Beaver Falls, Pennsylvania, which is just north of Pittsburgh. We never want to cast any shade on anything even slightly Pittsburgh related, like the Steelers. But when the Beaver County Libraries gave away free comics recently for free comic book day, I don't want to say it was front page news, but it did make the Beaver County Times. Hey, I have friends from Beaver County. Many of us pass right by it when we drive to Pittsburgh, and the county did have 11 libraries participating in the giveaway. At least there's something going on there besides unexciting Steelers games. Just remember, we've got plenty of monthly comics available for checkout at EPL, along with hundreds of graphic novels for adults and kids. And be on the lookout for free comics at the next free comic book day in May of 2022. And that's the news you cannot use. Thanks for listening to Checked Out. We hope you will tune in soon for our next episode. You can learn more by going to our website at euclidlibrary.org.